You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ Team Leader, former Indoc Instructor Supervisor, Entrepreneur, and Physician Assistant Student, Brian Silva. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the team room. You're here with Brian, Trent, Jared, and our good friend, Tech Sergeant Christopher Thomas. Uh, We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Thanks again for coming back, listening to us. We really appreciate it. Um, So we brought Chris into the team room today because not only did we all work together at some point, um, minus Jared, but when we were down there as instructors, Trent and I um, used to work with Chris, and he's one of the most motivational people that... uh, you know, you're ever going to come across. He just is, when he sweats, it's just motivation. And, you know, it comes out and being around him is just so contagious. So that's why he's been uh, picked to do some of the jobs that he's been doing and be around students, you know, for the better part of the last decade now. So we really appreciate him coming on and uh, taking time out to talk to us about everything. And beside that, he's also a recruiter. So again, before we get into this, we always want to start off with thanks and uh, mostly for you guys. If you ever have any questions or um, just want to get something off your chest, go ahead and email us. We're always here to help you out and uh, you know help you get the best information possible. If you have any suggestions as to people that you want to hear on the podcast, you know people that motivate you, that kind of thing, you know always um, shoot them our way. We're open to having uh, anybody that is beneficial to your career out. So. Welcome back again, Chris. So can you, do you mind uh, introducing yourself a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Texar and Thomas, still active duty PJ. I've uh, been out of the game a little bit when it comes to doing the PJ stuff, but I had been helping out in another realm uh, through instructing and recruiting now. Uh, I have a wife, beautiful wife. I'm sure some of you guys have heard that story. Maybe we'll get time to tell that story, how I met her and so on. Uh, I have two kids. I got a six-year-old named Callie and a three-year-old boy named Nash. We live out here in uh, Mico, Texas, out in the uh, the hills. So it's nice. Love Texas. <clears throat> because Texas is the greatest place to be, obviously. I mean, yes. It's, it's where all the greatness gathers. I don't know why Brian left. It's uh, I, I think it's pretty amazing. So you're you're in, you're uh, obviously we know each other, but now you're out there recruiting and doing all that stuff. And obviously we started doing what we're doing uh, a little bit after you left. Uh, so let, let's just get after the, the big recruiting questions right off the bat, you know, get it out of the way, uh, talk through it. First one that we get a lot is, am I too old to join? Uh, what, what are the age requirements? I hate asking this question cause I get it all the time, but can you just go over like, am I too old to join? Uh, no, uh, 39 and you have to be in basic before you hit 40. Yes. I'm still so, there. Yeah, 39 Boom. years old. Dang. I'm 35 right. and I feel like I'm 18. So age is just a number. That is, see, like, <laughs> this, like this is too. the weird thing about Chris is, is he's like the opposite of every other team guy that I've ever met. Everybody's like, oh, I'm like 32. It's like, dude, you look like you're 56 and you can barely walk. <laughs> like, how many static line jumps do you have? And Chris is over here like, I'm still just a kid bouncing around and I feel good. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. Yeah, like, I, what, do you, what do you drink in the morning? Uh, coffee and fish oil. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Or fish oil. Kick coconut oil, not fish oil. Coconut oil. Oh, oh I was going to say. Fishy <laughs> coffee. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking omega-3s, but I actually meant uh, coconut oil. So, MCT. yeah, okay. <clears throat> and one of the other things we try to harp on is, is when it's a good time to see a recruiter. And maybe you can talk about uh, some of the misconceptions about that. But when, if, if you're out there and you're looking into getting to uh, the, the aspect war community, when is the best time to come come see uh, Chris Thomas? Man, this is a this question actually comes out a lot. And if you're gonna join Special Warfare, see a recruiter ASAP. All right, they're not. We're not the recruiter where you come in my office and then I'm like, all right, let's get this paperwork done. You're leaving in eight days. It's not like that, especially in the in Special Warfare. Like my guys that are on my team, I'm not trying to push them out the door unless they're ready. I want these guys to make it. That's my goal. I'm not just going to just say, Hey, just go on and go do your thing. Good luck. Like that's not my, that's not what I do. So 
What I suggest is to go see a recruiter in your local area and you can go on airforce.com slash find a recruiter, select special warfare, apply now and go through that process. And then someone's going to reach out to you. And the reason why is because we've seen guys who were like, man, I've been training for a year. I've been training for two years. And then they finally go to recruiter and they're like, and you're disqualified. And they didn't know that. And so you just got to be aware of that. I encourage going to a recruiter first. And there are plenty of programs out there to train and you guys will definitely get ready for sure. Well, I guess it's just a tack on to that. How, how, since we're not going by graduation standards or anything like that, I mean, we have the past standards, but like, how does somebody know when they are ready? That's a great question. So one, uh, it's not just being physically ready. Are you mentally ready? Like when we put you through a development session, how are you handling that intrinsically? Are you every session you look around and everyone's just crushing you and you're just convincing yourself that you're ready to go. Um, and I, th- I honestly, I think that's a big thing is like, are you mentally ready to go handle, you know, basics straight into prep straight into selection. It's a long process and it's a grind. Uh, but physically ready. I think that you should push yourself. Like when you're getting 40 pushups um, on a good day, like you need to make, eh, maybe I need to, you know, get a little bit stronger there and start working on that stuff. Now I have seen guys with minimum standards. Yes. We've seen it before where guys go in and then they go to basic, they meet a few people and they're just working out in basic, just like I did. And my teammates did, and then they go to prep and they listen and they absorb and they're coachable and they apply everything those coaches are saying, and they end up a lot stronger. Um, but again, that's the mentality plus the physical part. Well, it's funny too that you bring up, you know, the mental aspect of it because that is that can be difficult to train and it's hard to put a, a tangible, you know, thing on it because it's, you know, it's so subjective. But um, so regarding that, what are some some things like have, have in, during dev sessions, you know, development sessions, are there certain characteristics or certain um, times where you can go, okay, that guy or girl? that they have the mental fortitude to make it or, you know, are they, are there times, I'm sure there are times cause we, we've kind of all seen them, <laughs> but are there other people where you're like, Oh man, you're, you're really going to have to change that mentality or um, really t- toughen up for lack of better words. Um, so what are some of those traits that you've seen in those individuals? So the traits that I see, and I'm just trying to like picture some of the guys that were pre-session, uh, is competitiveness. I think that's a huge thing is when we do an exercise and guys are like, I want to be first, even though they know they're not going to be first, they still want to be first. And then that tr- intrinsic motivation of when they fail something or they, let's say they get 50 pushups, the next development session, they want to get 55 pushups and they want to get 60 pushups, that intrinsic motivation of always progressing. Um, and Again, teamwork is good. I like guys who are just all about the team, you know, helping each other out. And I I would, but the main thing I would say is just that intrinsic motivation and competitiveness. Yeah, I I would say that that doesn't stop in development sessions or the pipeline that that continues. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm pretty competitive, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with my peers and with with myself really, but. you know, not to a point where it's unhealthy or anything like that, but, you know, I, I definitely want to be first if, it, or at least do my damnedest to be first. <laughs> exactly. So, um, still in that, that kind of mental toughness, like what, what kind of tools do you use personally to strengthen your mind? So one thing I do, I think that's always worked is I am very relatable. Like I'm never the guy, um, who's like, Oh, I'm a PJ, it's superpower, superhuman, like none of that. I was always that just regular dude. And I, you know, if you knew me before I was in uh, the military, you would be like, man, that guy's either going to jail or that guy's going to die doing something stupid. Like that's who I was. And people knew me as that. And the Air Force, especially special warfare, had built that foundation. So if you guys are looking for that foundation, like this is the route, the path. Um, But tools, I would say just like, I like to get in guys' heads and I like to kind of point out their flaws and how you can fix their flaws. 
Uh, there's different things I talk about and I mentor. Uh, I have different various speeches that I use that uh, kind of relate to everyone. I'm big on, uh, you know, I always talk about like life is either you have the easy path or the, or we say like the loser path and then the winner path. And I'm not trying to be, you know, arrogant here, but there's a loser path and there is a winner path. And I have realized that they're both hard. They're both hard. So if you want the loser path, you could be the guy who's not reliable. No one counts on you. Uh, you're always failing everything. You're always depressed because you're failing things. And you're like, man, I wish I could have done this, or I wish I would do this. And that pressure on yourself that sucks. Like it does. Like there's that, that, that path, that loser path that genuinely sucks. And then you have the winner path where it's like, okay, now I'm working out before everyone in my family is awake. I'm doing homework when everyone's sleeping. I'm putting out when people aren't, I'm doing the things I need to do to be successful. That path sucks as well. And when you realize that they both suck, you might as well go the winner path because you're going to be happier. So I, I always preach that to these guys and it kind of gets in the head. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it sucks to get up and er to get up early and go do a five mile run. You know, this so life sucks. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, saying. I'm just saying the goal <laughs> that you want to get, it's not like, uh, you know, a lot of these goals is that we want are not easy and that, and you know, nothing's going to replace hard work to get those goals. And at the time, yeah, it is going to suck, but the feeling of, of getting what you want is it's worth all the hard work. You know, I think we all can contest on that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, like what you're talking about is I say the same thing is the opportunity is out there and you have to make it for yourself. It's not just going to fall on your doorstep. And one day when you're sitting outside on your porch, you know, a package arrives is like, Hey, you've been selected for pararescue. Well, come on down. We'll get you your beret and uh, we'll get you on some missions. Like, you know, the hard work and like you're talking about the intrinsic trust and all that kind of stuff that that comes with our team that is only earned because, you know, all of us um, trust each other because we've been through all these things that most other people couldn't handle. So um, and we know that when the shit hits the fan that you're going to be able to react and, uh, you know, have our back, be a team player, all that kind of stuff that comes with uh you know, going through selection, everything like that. So uh, super important to just realize like you said, life is going to suck in one way or another, but at the end of the day, uh, going back to uh, Trent's flag there, regret as hell, if you're sitting at 60 years old and you can look back at a full career and a happy life and a family and everything, it's much better than looking back and thinking about how you sat on the couch playing video games or watching movies or whatever. So uh, make sure at the end of the day that you're able to look back and have good memories and have people that you positively impacted. Um, so talking about preparations and I want to talk about setting expectations for yourself, because like you're saying, it's a huge thing to, um, over undertake when you're going for this kind of thing, you think two years ahead and you're like, man, this is going to be really painful over the next two years. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to be times where I feel like I'm going to quit that kind of thing. Um, what were your expectations for yourself? Because you've kind of been, you know, as a recruiter now, you've seen everything from behind the curtain to in front of the curtain and all around, you know, being a recruiter now and an instructor and uh, prep instructor supervisor. Uh, what are some of the expectations you had for yourself when you first came in? And what would you say that a person should set their expectations at now that you know everything else? Yeah, that's a, Great question. Uh, I definitely have changed. And I always talk about that. Why? Like my why before I came in is much different than it is after my second deployment that I went on. And once I had kids and I had a family and I, you know, every, your why is definitely going to change. Everyone needs to know that. Um, but I just, I'd say expectation. I would look at it like this. Everyone has a goal. Like there's these goals that, especially with these career fields, it's like, man, I'm going to be a PJ in two years. And sometimes that can be, you get restless and you get like, man, that's such a far distance and the light is so small. But if you have a system and I've started doing this, it's a system versus having a goal. So the system is every morning, especially pre-session every morning, this is what I'm going to do. 
And it's kind of like right now in my life, I have, you know, in the morning I need to work out. I go to jujitsu for, you know, during my lunch and we could talk about that. Uh, I mean, that's like a whole different world of just being humbled versus, uh, you know, keeping my grit, keeping me in check, learning, uh, expanding as a man. I just love jujitsu. And then, but the system is like, yes, I have to go there. I'm going there and I have school as well, finishing college. And it's like at eight, 8 PM, when everyone's asleep from eight to 11 PM on Thursdays, I will do homework. And that system, if you stick with the system in two years, I'll have, or whatever, you'll have your degree or you'll have this and this and that. And in the pipeline, I, I really suggest is like the system is keeping your diet good. You're not getting the care packages at Indoc or the selection course or a prep when you're like, we found those guys all the time. Like they get these, sele- they get these packages from like their mom and their, and their girlfriend. And it's just <laughs> filled with like peanut butter and freaking uh, M&Ms and Funyuns and, and then like they try to hide them and they're like in these drawers. I'm like, dude, you wonder why you came here with 45 pushups and you, you are now eight weeks in and you are at 43 pushups. It's because you're not absorbing, you're not coachable, you're not taking it in. So the system is getting your diet right, doing your mobility, putting out on everything you can, uh, reading. They have all types of books at prep where you're like, you're reading about leadership and how to find yourself intrinsically and this and that. And it's just like, that's the system and you stick to it. And I promise if you do that and you put out hundred percent in the end, you can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, man, I put hundred percent into this. And if you didn't make it, you can still look at yourself and go, man, I put a hundred percent into that and I can walk away with my, you know, my head held high. Or if you do make it, you know, that that system was working and you're crushing it. So yeah, goals, everyone, I mean, we should have goals, but keep that system and um, stick to it. Yeah. And I think uh, going along with that, you know, there's a bunch of books out there that you can read atomic habits, the 1% rule, all that kind of stuff that it's just basically, you know, like, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, every dollar matters. It's every minute of your life also matters. So taking full accountability, like what am I doing throughout the day? Like write down what you do. And then if there's that period of time where, you know, you're just sitting around, you're not doing anything, or you're just kind of lost wasting time, like take accountability of that and note it. Like, you know, you could say you gave a hundred percent, but were you actually, or were you just sitting down like those hours between eight and 10 where you could have been, I don't know, reading a book or doing anything like that, stretching, that kind of stuff. You were sitting down on the couch or even, you know, like for me, I, I, uh, listen to books on my way to work and back from work, that kind of stuff, rather than listening to music, just because that's the only time I have to peace and quiet. But it's that full accountability for sure that, uh, really helps you take hold and then you know 20 years down the line makes you a better person um so along with this this kind of motivational thing are you i know like i said in the beginning um he gets really heated and emotional especially when guys um when we're in the heat of the moment like when we were doing instructor stuff 10 ups that kind of stuff that's when the real good speeches and everything come out of chris thomas and it got me pumped up every time that i listened to him you know doing that kind of stuff um so i want to get into your head a little bit and you know for those guys that are out there that are going to start going through the suck um for you personally, what would you say to yourself when you were going through like 10 ups, everyone on the team struggling, passing out, all that kind of stuff? What would go through your head to keep you uh, going through that kind of session? You know, it's funny you say that because we were just talking about this the other day. You talk about like being ignorant to things. And like, I always joke, guys, like after extended training day, we got done. The guy's like, man, that, that really sucked. Like my roommate was like, that really, really sucked, dude. And I'm like, dude, imagine what ETD is going to be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just that, yeah. you know, ignorance to it, but now nah, I'm just kidding. That's I'm just joking. But I think the main thing was like, I did have some sort of like vision of everyone in the military at the time was getting crushed like this. So I, I in my head, I was like, Oh, this is just everywhere. Like everyone's doing this. Um, and then I started learning and learning by then I was already out. So that was good. <clears throat> but, uh, what I did was, well, one, the competitiveness, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and act like when I saw a guy 
who couldn't take it. And SIE, it gave me like, I like took his soul and my power here, his power in me. I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm still here. It gave me that motivation that I'm still yeah. here. And yeah. I would always look down, especially in 10 ups. Like you look down and you, everyone's just kind of like doing their pushups and everyone knows me on my team. Like I'm always like energetic and, you know, kind of funny here and there. And like, I would look guys red in the eye and just go cross-eyed. I'd be like, we can do this. And then it would kind of like separate them from like, well, what are we doing? I'm just laughing at Chris. And I just knew that, especially this is huge guys is don't be the guy that goes to the selection course and he just is quiet and he's kind of the gray man. He doesn't want to be with the team because you need to be a good teammate and you need to know each other. And when you get to know each other, you get to know like, Oh, this is his wife's name or, you know, his kids and this and that, this and that. And you build this bond when you are going through the suck, you're not going to quit on each other. Like you just know that you're like, I'm not quitting on that guy. He's not quitting on me. We're going to do this together. And, you know, teamwork makes the dream work, you know, and you just, (laughs) as corny as that sounds, you just, you know, that's what motivated me. It was just my team. I, I love my team and I loved what I was doing. Yeah, it did suck and it did, I did struggle. Um, but I always believe that suffering is definitely a blessing. No matter what you go through, it's a blessing, a lesson learned. So out of curiosity, how old were you when you came in or when was, you started going through the pipeline? I was 22 years old. Okay, that's interesting. 22. Because you, you know, you said that whenever somebody would SIE or, or quit in front of you, you'd kind of take their soul and you'd be like, you know, I just outlasted this dude. It's very much different for a 17 year, 18, 17 to 18 year old, at least for me, in my mentality. Um, because a lot of those folks I would look at as complete monsters and, and like, oh yeah, they're absolutely going to make it. And then they'd quit. And then I would have that, that kind of negative mentality of going, well, if they can't do it or they're struggling that bad, how the hell am I going to do it? And how that didn't weigh on me, I have no idea, you know, but I just, you know, kept plugging along. But it's, I don't know if that is just the way that I'm wired um, back, back then, because I'm definitely not wired like that now. But um, I don't know if that's an age maturity thing. That's why I was asking how old you were. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I don't know if it might be the way we were wired, but yeah, just cause I did have that. What exactly what you're saying? I'd look at a guy, like I remember there's two guys, they were just like a little bit older. They were like 26 years old. They were jacked. They had like a bunch of hair on their chest. And I was like, Ooh, these guys, you know? And then, you know, and they ended up SIEing or quitting in the first week in WaterCon. And when they left that gave me, I was like, if I'm still here, then maybe I'm stronger than I think I am. And that kind of gave me that motivation to have that, uh, that confidence that I can do what I came to do. Yeah. And I was the same way. I was a smaller guy, you know, young, didn't really have that much hair on my chest yet. Um, I was probably still going through puberty at the time, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it was like, man, these dudes were super jacked. And I've said this before in different uh, episodes, but it's like, this guy says he can swim so fast. This guy says he can hold his breath for five minutes and, I was like, I haven't done any of this stuff and I don't even know what I'm getting into right now. Like, am I going to be able to stick? And then, you know, you look around and you're like, holy crap, that guy's quitting. That guy's quitting, but I'm still here. I guess I can just keep on going. Like, put your head back under, take some strokes and keep going. Um, so, yeah, and it's just putting that one foot in front of the other and not uh, really getting into your own head because that's pretty easy to do in those kind of situations. Just pay attention to what they're telling you to do and do it. And that's it. Um so going back to uh, some of the other stuff with candidates, talking about you know different people that you went through the pipeline with, that kind of thing, um, and being an instructor, I want to I threw this question in there just because I want to get it out for uh, those people that have those tendencies. But what is one of the biggest pet peeves that you have with a student or a candidate or anybody that you're uh, seeing right now? Wow. Um, I've always been a stickler for discipline and just, uh, you know, when we tell you to do something like, for example, I hold these clinics, uh, every Wednesday and I do a swim and run clinic and I'll tell a candidate or the candidates like, Hey, when you talk to me, you're going to be at attention. And I teach them how to stand at attention and so on. And 
about 75% of the guys do it, but then there's a few guys who just don't listen. They just want to, they're not listening whatsoever. And they just talk to me like this and this, and I have to correct them. I think maybe that's maybe probably the, I say a pet peeve would just be like, you know, your only job as a trainee is to put out, be a good teammate and follow directions. If that makes sense, you know, like, that's it. Like I would need you to follow directions and to keep self-awareness of like, okay, I'm about to go to the instructor and just talk to him. Let me just get at attention, you know, very simple stuff that we went through. And, uh, yeah, so I'd probably say that discipline, I guess. Well, yeah. And I think, I think it's just a, a, I don't know, the, the lack of awareness of some students, uh, coming through, like, this is not a personal thing. I don't think I'm better than you as a human being but you say you want to get into this world and then you want to talk to like, my name is, you don't call me Trent, you know, like, I don't know if you grew up with like dudes in your neighborhood, you know, that like, we're like, Oh, just call me Bob. I'm not like Mr. Roberts or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 Mr. Roberts. Here you are. Like you're trying to join this thing. Like, do you think that like someone shows up to like college football and their coach is going to be like, Hey man, call me Jim. It's fine. You're a rookie. Like, this is how it's going to go. Like, these are our tryouts. And, and if you're still a civilian and I meet you on the street, we're going to be cool. But you cross that threshold into saying you want to be part of the community. And once you get there, there are certain expectations. And that shows your growth mindset and your maturity and moving forward. I don't know you saw a lot of the same things. And uh, I think some of those kids are just not used to um, that, that formal difference between people that doesn't exist as much in our society anymore uh, moving forward. So I know you saw that a lot of prep. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, of, of prep and, and things, uh, I'm, let's talk about some of the things that these kids are getting into that don't know uh, what they're going to get into, which is weird because I think we tell them almost everything that's happening now. The, the unknowns are far fewer than they used to be, uh, but you were the, um, the instructor supervisor out of prep and all this other stuff. So like as a kid joins, they go through the process. Uh, what can they expect when they get there um, from, from your perspective? So I would think... And take this to heart, these guys listening right now. I would think that a civilian would pay like 50,000 bucks to go to this course. I mean, through the technology to the coaching, I'm talking guys, their coaching staff is unbelievable. The, the credentials and so on. Uh, we had at one point, we had guys like um, Fisher. He literally swam with Phelps, super energetic, cared about every single guy on his team or every student. And he just man, he would tell you exactly what was wrong with you and he would fix you. And a lot of guys did soak it in, but some guys would just go back to their comfortable, comfortable state. So I would suggest guys, when you go there, just be coachable, absorb it all. If you are not the best swimmer and are you faster than that guy who swam with Phelps, I would probably listen to him. Um, the strength and conditioning, if you guys never lifted, you've never done any of that stuff, you're going to learn the right way. I think that's one thing that we didn't have was like, I was doing deadlifts with my back curled for like 10 years. And you wonder why I'm five foot five now. And I used to be like five eleven. So, um, oh, you yeah, know, things like it's that. So ter- it's so terrible being that short. <laughs> yeah. I like being short. It's easier than the helo. Um, but when you go there, guys, uh, you're going to be split up in three teams. You're going to have your schedule is going to be basically off of the three teams. And, you know, you're going to go to water con. You're, you know, even if you're tack P, it doesn't matter. You're going to go to strength and conditioning. You're going to do running. You're going to learn how to do mobility, which is huge, guys. Mobility, getting your hips loose, just being taking care of yourself. Because uh, I think a main component of prep is that it builds the longevity of a operator a guy back in the day like he'd do 10 years and he's already like oh man yeah this and that and now you can push a guy because we all know it takes to be a combat controller a good combat controller a good sr this and that or pj it takes years to be good at that and by the time you get to the position of team leading and you now you're having to run and gun with the younger guys can you keep up with those guys and with these programs i believe that in the next 15 20 years you're going to see a guy who's 37, 38 years old, who feels like he's 18 due to the fact that he has just good, uh, you know, discipline when it comes to taking care of himself. So you look at, uh, the prep guys take advantage of it. You're going to get to swim literally every day. You're going to get to work out, uh, strength and conditioning with, with, um, you know, lifting and so on. You're going to do exercises where it pushes you to the limit. It breaks through that glass ceiling. We talk about, 
And you're never going to really know your capabilities until you push yourself to the edge. Like, I think people need to realize that, you know, you're never going to know your threshold unless you get to that threshold. Um, and then you're learning how to run. You know, if all these guys, like, let's say a guy who's, you know, he's running a seven minute three mile, which is pretty decent. But man, I bet you that guy with the correct coaching could run a 620 all day just from his form, doing his 180 beats per minute of the cadence. He's got his spine elongated, keeping his chin and his lungs open, the way he runs, keeping his feet underneath him. Like they teach you all that stuff and they drill you and drill you to become prepared. And then we have a couple days that are just an absolute monster of a day. You were just getting crushed. And, uh, and it really pushes you to the limit to where when you do go to your assess and select, you can say, man, you know, I think I've been here before. I'm not, this isn't new. You know, you're not in the darkness. Obviously, ANS, there's a lot of darkness. No one really knows what's going on there. I can't really even talk about it, this and that. But, you know, you could say physically, man, I've pushed myself. So prep guys, even with technology, I could go on and on about technology, you know, the Omega waves, even the, this is one cool thing I thought was awesome. They got this thing called a Sparta track. It's like this black box. You step on it. It looks like a vibration plate. And you do certain movements from like one-handed, you know, a push-up holding like this. You're doing as jump as high as you can, this and that. And it basically does this. Uh, it analyzes your body and shows what's weak in your body. And then the strength and conditioning coaches will build a program that is specifically to your weaknesses. So then you work on those weaknesses throughout the eight weeks and then you become this superhuman and then you can go out and you're definitely prepared physically and mentally to go crush that course it's, but you have to take I, advantage of it yeah oh yeah i mean you're yeah. you're essentially investing in yourself and obviously the air force is investing in the the people that are coming in i want to revisit something real quick um that you said you you talked about somebody going and, and swimming with phelps and and you know trying to get themselves better. And it's, it really is an investment in yourself. Um, like as a person that is not a huge fan of spending money, you know, um, you know, we've, we've posted on the ASVAB, uh, study books or workbooks. We've, you know, there's plenty of free programs and paid for workout and swim programs, you know, uh, going and spending 20 bucks on total immersion, finding a you know, whether you pay for a coach at a, at a pool because you need to work on technique or maybe it's, hey, there's there's the old man that just swims, you know, 200 laps. Every time you see him, he's always in there just swimming. Go over there and just talk to that guy and say, hey, you mind watching me for a little bit or can you show me some tips? Um, I mean, that's free, but like it's it's an investment in yourself. And if you really want to take this serious, you've got to be willing to acknowledge that you're weak in an area and that you're going to take put in the time and the work and the effort to improve that weakness yeah absolutely self-awareness knowing what you have to do to become stronger in those weaker areas uh that's huge for sure yeah and but like and i think what we're talking about things that they, they don't know coming in but we have so much information out there now for the uh, the candidates is there is there a danger for them knowing too much because i know most of us walked in pretty blind. And at least for me, it was fairly motivating thinking like, hey, I'm going to special operations and no one that I knew knew anything about it. So in my mind, my uh, the standards were going to be stupid high. You know, like I just didn't know the standards. So I just worked out as hard as I could and I kept trying and trying and trying. And then like, when I show up, I'm just trying to earn my place, you know, because I didn't know anything about anything. And I think most of us were in that situation where like, you know, you show up to NDOC or whatever and like you said, you're like, I don't know what's going on. And I just do it. And now these these candidates show up and they think that they know everything. And I think to a certain extent, that can be a little detrimental to them if they don't have a strategy to maintain that that humility and that growth mindset. Um, are, do you have any strategies for those people uh, just to make sure that they stay in the right brain space as they go through this process? Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of like the arrogance. I get what you're saying. Like guys are going there. Like I, I, I watched this and I've done this and I, I worked with this guy, this and that. Um, but when you get to those, when you actually get to prep, uh, you need to be coachable. You need to humble yourself and you need to listen. And those are the standards that they want you to see. You know, these guys have taught thousands of students just like you. 
And I would just say to be mature and be humble and just accept what they're saying. Uh, Cause we see it all the time. Like I always talk about like teaching someone how to shoot. If you've never shot before, man, it's easy to teach that guy to have the correct form when you're shooting. But if you had a guy who his whole life, you know, he was taught by his grandfather, his great grandfather, and he's doing this, or he's doing the teacup. And every time you draw out and he's reloading out here and not in his workspace. And it's like, man, that's so hard to break. And especially with guys like finning and all that stuff. That's like, I got to stop you. You need to, you know, elongate your spine. I need you to point your, your toes and this and that. And they just keep going back to what's comfortable. So again, guys being coachable, being able to adapt to your environment and do what they're telling you to do. I would say that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of resources out for these guys right now. So just maintaining that the correct mindset, uh, speaking of the resources, what, what are the beneficial resources that you're seeing as a recruiter? You know, cause we obviously do this thing. There's a lot of other things out there that I can look at. Are, are you seeing the benefits of that on uh, your side of the house? Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, we do have the development, uh, but the thing about the development is like, for example, in Texas, um, like we have a developer for this area, but he's going to three or four different areas. And sometimes they're like two to three hours away. So guys are definitely going to reach out and try to do other programs. I believe that this program in the background that you guys have, you know, with all three of you, um, everything is very justified and, um, and reliable. So come into something like this. And I, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like we just went to a meeting not too long ago and they said that, uh, you know, almost everyone I heard was, has heard this podcast and they have gotten something from it. And for the listeners out there, like these guys aren't getting paid to do this. Like they're doing this out of their own heart. They're trying to help out the youth. So they become better operators than they were. Cause that's the goal. The war is changing. We don't know what the future is like. It's a lot more futuristic and things might could, could be a lot more dangerous, but our goal is to make guys better. And again, I mean, these guys aren't, they're not getting paid to do this crap. So just keep aware of that. Um, and then, you know, obviously the other programs that we have out there, they're all good. Uh, just remember what you're looking at. Is it more catered towards what the Navy's doing or is it catered towards what the Marines are doing? And then you start to adopt those things. You go in there and you're like, hoorah. And you're like, ah, it's Marines, you know, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Just be careful and just be smart with your stuff. Like, like, uh, Peaches said, or chief said, he said, go ask someone. That's all you got to do is go ask someone that might know what they're talking about and then get validation on that. <clears throat> and go to be a PJ for workouts, obviously, if you're trying <laughs> yeah. to be a PJ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so talking about all these resources that are out there, I, I want to, instead of, you know, kind of talking around some questions, I want to ask you some very direct questions that we get often just to, so that people can reference them uh, as, as they're listening. So I'm just, I'm literally going to look here and read these. So um, what are the visions requirements The Okay. So before uh, we start this, cause I, you know, as a recruiter, I, everything I'm saying is subjective. Now there are hard lines, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. So what we do is when we get a candidate, we have to look at their past, how long they've had something, how many times they did it, this and that. And they're going to give us all their documentation from the doctors, physicians, um, if you cannot find that paperwork, then you need to get a, doc a doctor's note from that physician saying, yes, we've lost the things. And then you have to get a consult and so on to make sure everything's fine. And then we sit, submit an MED basically saying like, Hey, this is all the paperwork. What do you think licensed physician? And that's kind of the way you go. But right now, as in, uh, you know, for eyes corrected is 2020. And then uncorrected is 2100. It used to be 2200. We are losing a few guys to that, but you know, it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> and then, so you go to the, you go to MEPS and you take your eye test. And sometimes they're like, eh, you're on the edge. Let's go do a consult, you know, a couple of weeks later and they go to, to the optometrist and they do their thing. But, uh, but yeah, so obviously you could get PRK if you know your eyes are that bad. You can get LASIK and so on. Um, there is a wait of six months, and then you have to get a consult at the end, turn in all your paperwork, and show that, yes, I don't have any complications from my eyes now after I got these surgeries, and then we can submit the MED and move on from there. But again, it's pretty subjective on my side, 
and it's very like broad spectrum. Like I have to look into their paperwork and how many times and so on. And again, it's not my decision. It's the SG. Nope. Nope. Completely understand. So just to clarify, uh, it's 2020 and then it's 2100, 20, but correctable to 2020. So that's a, that's a change. That's, um, that's good to know. How about for folks getting uh, PRK or LASIK? So, so it depends. Like, let's say I, you know, for a fact, you know, you're in tune with your eyes, you know, exactly that you have super, super bad vision and the, and the chances of you going to MEPS and not passing, like you already know that. Um, and if you don't know that, and you're nervous about that, it is nothing for us to go, Hey, go to a regular doctor, see what it's like. Now, obviously that paperwork is, is not the, the paperwork that the MEPS is going to accept, but you can go see what your eyes are and go, okay, I definitely need Lasix or whatever. Go to your Lasix, your PRK, and then you have roughly about six months. Start that process a little bit earlier so we can get all the paperwork done and then we could submit that. Okay. Um, one that gets a lot of people, uh, which is unusual to me to think about, but um, just, I guess, because I, I don't deal with it, but color blindness. Like, are there... What is, I know that there's different scales, there's different tests, but is there a colorblindness waiver or anything? Yeah, there is. And it's called an ETP. We can now, let's say a guy goes to MEPS, he's going to take a PIP. And I'm trying to, maybe Silva, you can pronounce this. It's like a pseudo something chromatic uh, plate. That's what it's like. That's what it's called. And that's the test that they take in, in MEPS. And from, you know, just from, again, I'm not a physician, but I hear that that is easier than the one you would take at BMT. And basically, which is uh, the CCT, the cone contrast, that's what you'll take at BMT. So if they did fail that, we can submit an ETP to try to get that waiver. But again, it, it's all dependent on how bad they are, the eyes are and so on. So the main thing, guys, you know, just from my position is just like get all your paperwork, you know, see what you have, go to MEPS, do your thing. You know, MEPS isn't like, hey, you made it to MEPS, you're guaranteed. MEPS is that military entrance processing station. Like if you fail it, then I mean, again, it is what it is. We're going to try our best from our part to help you out and try to uh, get you through. So. Okay. Uh, so on that then, just because you, you brought it up, if somebody does go to MEPS and fails, whether it's, you know, vision or color vision or something like that, can they then go see their optometrist on the civilian side, get that, um, I don't know, certificate or whatever it would be, you know, those medical records that show, hey, we're actually good and then take it to, take it to the recruiter? So I can't say that's uh, like... Yes, the civilian doctor is going to ensure that you can get in. Now, that civilian paperwork will definitely play a part in the SG's opinion and okay. his consultation, if that makes sense. So, because I mean, I'm not hitting on, on doctors and so on, but you know, there are doctors like in the middle of nowhere. It could be like a witch doctor. And I was like, oh, your eyes are good. Yeah, just <laughs> sign them off. You know, so uh, that's really the main thing is it definitely will play a part in the SG's decision. I don't think which doctor has been used on the <laughs> podcast yet. I'm, I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, there's all types of doctors. Yeah. Or you get like okay. a dentist. A dentist is like, your eyes are good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how about uh, for all these jailbirds out here? Like, uh, are there any kind of morality waivers or what is the kind of, I, I know it's, it's very subjective. So um, like for the people that have had criminal backgrounds, like where are they, where do they fall? Okay. Yeah. So again, without like, yeah, without getting into like the details and stuff like that, it really does depend on what type of crime it was, how many times you did it, when it was, were you, were you a minor? Was it just like three months ago? Um, you know, things like that. Cause I've had guys call me and they're like, I just got caught with all this stuff. And I need to join the military right now. I heard there's something you could just throw me in the military and I'll do anything. And I'm like, when did you get caught? Like, two days ago, I got caught. I'm like, so an open case, uh, even when it comes to DUI, getting caught with paraphernalia, uh, it doesn't matter. Like that is an open case until you have done your probation, until it has been expunged or closed. Uh, we cannot really work with you until that stuff is contained and done. 
So, okay. How about asthma? Or I think that we're going to see more often is is the ADHD diagnosis and associated with the medication. Um, I'd like to get your answer on. I just the way I've always heard it is that it it depends on you know the age. Were you a kid? Were you diagnosed as an adult? How long were you on the medication? What was the medication? When was the last time you took the medication? Kind of thing. Is that is that fairly accurate? Very, very accurate. That's exactly what it is. I mean, you literally, it's like you're reading what I was about to read. Like that's pretty much what it is. Like, were you a kid? When did it happen? Like, when's the last time you did those drugs? You know, like, were you just on ADH pill or you know, a month ago or two weeks ago? And then now either way, we have to gather all that stuff and we have to submit that MED to the physician and see what he says. Uh, but again, it's all dependent how many times, how many years, when's the last time and so on, but correct. All right. So once they get past all of the uh, medical issues, uh, very specific medical issues and their criminal history, uh, they didn't show up to the recruiting station in a stolen car. They didn't have paraphernalia. They get past all that. They join. Uh, so they've gone through that kind of process. Uh, let's talk about what, what they can expect as as role mem- uh, team members uh, in the pipeline uh, and the, their specific roles and kind of what the, the cutter are looking for and why we do what we do. Um, so like we, once you get on team, you're not just all gray men. You're not just, uh, you know, like we, we switch it up every once in a while as cadre. Um, so I, I think I want to ask you, what was your favorite uh, position that you held as a team member as you went through the pipeline? Uh, I just, I've always just been a good teammate. Like I always reach out to guys, you know, um, constantly like when i was going through the pipeline especially like in the dorms i would literally just go on especially on the weekends i just go to like every room and just be like hey what's up guys you know just try to get to know every single person to build that bond because i'm a big believer in like you know i saw it firsthand in afghanistan like the guys i was on the back of the helo with um i was really good friends with so the trust was there we could just trust each other knowing that everything we're doing is correct and and uh, so I'm a big believer in just getting to know each other and just being a good teammate. And that doesn't mean just like talking and this and that. It's like looking out for guys. If you're really, really good at this, then teach your guys that, you know, hey, guys, I, I'm this is how I do my IV. I put it on the back of a duct tape and it's just all on there. So it's in order and nothing flies out of the helo. This is how I do it. And I remember that vividly. That's what we did. And I showed it to everyone. They're like, yeah, I'm going to start doing that just to help okay. your teammates out. So. Again, just be a good teammate by helping each other out. I think it's the best thing in the pipeline. Yeah, but I, I think we've all seen it because that's one of our favorite things to do. I think maybe not favorite things, but you have that the younger person that's just kind of sitting back and you show up on Monday morning and you say, you know, you, you're the team leader now for this week, you know, like, and then for people that have never um, had to speak in front of people or have never had to uh, assume leadership over their peers, which is a, a difficult thing if you've never done it. Um, do you have any advice for those people, uh, beyond just like do what you're good at, I guess? Yeah. So one thing I always did and I still do is when I am, when I like, for example, like, uh, our Colonel is very good speaker, great leader. Um, he kind of, when I talk about leadership, it's like, he knows a way, goes away and shows away. I think that's a, a, a good, uh, trait in him. And when he's, he says stuff, I'll write it down because I know that I'm going to be in a leadership position at one point. And I'm like, okay, that's good. So if you are not in that leadership position, listen to people who are in the leadership position, take note of what they're saying and how to lead, because you're right. It could be like, anyone see Johnson, guess what? You're the leader. And now you are. And then one thing is also, I I'm a huge uh, proponent of is owning it, like own that position. You know, I tell the guys who are prior service that work out with us and they asked me about that. Like, I'm going to be a leader, but I've really never led, especially I'm only a senior airman and I'm going to go in there and have to lead like 20, 30 people on my team. I say, own it because they don't know who you are. You're going to go right into this position. And just, if you start leading and say, Hey guys, this is up we're going to have a meeting at seven o'clock. I want everyone to bring the notepads, pens, this and that. And everyone's like, all right, he's the boss. And then people just adapt to it. There's no judgment. They just do it. And especially if you get put in that position, your whole team knows that you're the A1C that just got put in the position. Like no one's going to be like freaking turd, you know, yelling at you and like, you, you're a leader. Yeah. I'm going to give you the hardest time ever. Like they're not going to be like that. They're going to go, okay, okay, let's help this guy out and just absorb that, that position because you might not get that for a couple of years and you can really learn from those, you know, so don't, don't just like shy away from it. Like own that position. I'd probably say yeah. that. 
And it's definitely uh, an opportunity, like being put in that position. I've done it to, you know, lots of students over the years when I was an instructor, um, because everyone expects you to, you know, fail and not do a good job because you're an A1C. Everyone expects you to choke on your own words and not know the battle rhythm. But if you do, like Chris was saying, and just, you know, you know what the rhythm is, you show up every day, you pretty much do the same thing. You, there's some kind of established uh, norm where you can fall back on and just say, okay, well, we're at the pad right now. So everyone, you know, make sure your gear squared away, you know, hit the latrine, whatever, and then we'll, you know, ask for time, uh, extra time, that kind of stuff if you need it. But if you just, put your best foot forward then everyone will remember like oh that dude actually did like a decent job I'm like all right i have a lot more respect for him because he actually knew what was going on and then uh you know just made that little bit of effort to make the team better so yeah i'd say just see it as an opportunity um you know when i was going through i used to kind of uh shy away from stuff like that because i didn't have any confidence like you want me to be in charge of all these guys and some of them were rangers and some of them were like super badass that kind of thing and i was like <laughs> again i've never haven't done anything when i when i came in so i was pretty nervous about it but if you just put your best foot forward and just you know run the normal routine that you guys have and that'll pay off and take that opportunity so so i just want to add that yeah, and I think just just being yourself, right? And I, we've talked about this before. Like, there's a difference between leadership out of a book, and then being self-aware and being honest, but also being in charge. You know, like there's that owning it piece, but also not like pretending you're from a war movie. You're like you're not cadre all of a sudden, you know. And I think we've all seen it where they start like screaming at their teammates that were, mm. you know, the same as them two, uh, two minutes ago. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, you're just responsible now. You're not, you're not like a general. So everybody settle down. <laughs> Uh, but uh, on the flip side of that, you know, and I think you, you touched on this a little bit, but be, being a good teammate and also how to support that person in that leadership role, um, at, how, how would they go about doing that? Like, what, what is their role? Yeah. So again, like you, as a student going through, you kind of know that leadership, you know what that leader has to do to get everyone rounded up. Like, you know, that at this time you need to be here and you need to have this, this, and this to be a good teammate. You need to be a good follower. And at that point, like, be prepared. You know, I always say like a good team is when everyone puts out on the team, then your team is good. Like if you are all prepared and you are all intrinsically, intrinsically motivated to do what's right and be uh, like uh, forward on everything, like, uh, you know, like, okay, tomorrow morning we got this, this, and this, like, okay, I'm going to prepare myself for that. And that just makes it a lot easier on that, on that team leader. Cause you guys have seen it so many times where, all right, you know, starts at 8 a.m. and this is what we're going to do. And then they give that brief and everyone's like, uh, I didn't bring that. You didn't bring your shoes. We're doing a run or whatever it may be. <laughs> and it's like, guys, be a good teammate. Don't just be that zombie who's just going through the motions. You know, I would, I would probably say that. <clears throat> yeah, I 100% agree. Um, definitely be on time, you know, know what the next event is. And then, you know, if you have to bring a certain piece of gear and that's also a little bit on the team leader to just make sure that expectations are set. And then as a teammate, you say, Roger that I'll take care of that. And if you see something, you know, that the team leader is not thinking of, just mention it, say, Hey, uh, you know, I heard Texar and Thomas say that we're going to have to have this tomorrow or whatever. Do you want us to bring that? You know, just throw in little things and notice things. Don't expect somebody to just, you know, grab you by the leash and carry you through um, selection. It's a thinking man's game. So you have to actually continue to pay attention to whatever is going on because, you know, there are times when I was an instructor and I was like, make sure you have this to the team. Maybe it was like one time I said or something like that. But it's the expectations. Like if you said it, you have to be here at a certain time or show up 10 minutes earlier or whatever. Someone has to catch it, communicate with each other and then go get it done. So yeah, super important um, things as a teammate. Uh, so I want to talk about, you know, skill versus kind of a never quit mentality, that kind of thing. We've talked about it in uh, other podcasts before, and I want to relate it to, you know, you having a successful business also, because we didn't mention that in the beginning, but you also own your own business, um, Valor Med, and you make uh, products. Obviously, we're not going to get too far into that, but we basically uh, 
you know, I remember when we were in the team team room as instructors, we were talking about these things and that I was going to do the BPJ thing. You were doing the Valor Med thing. And we're just like, you know what, screw it. Let's just do this because we didn't know anybody that was, you know, starting off on entrepreneurs and doing all that kind of stuff. We're like, we just got to make this stuff happen because, you know, nothing's going to fall in our lap. We have to work hard. And like you said, the nights that people are sleeping and doing whatever, we're jobbing it, working on, uh, you know, you had certain bills passed in the state so that like you know just doing awesome stuff and also doing your normal job um, which is what it takes to make a successful business um, wherever were there ever times that you doubted yourself and even through selection that kind of stuff you know you're you're saying you're a positive person and, and i know you as like a super happy that kind of thing but i'm sure there are times when you're just like man how am i gonna get this thing done and how did you get yourself out of those ruts so to speak yeah that's a great question you know i think some of my anxieties throughout my time is really what drove me to to keep going i think fear is is a good driver but uh, i started kind of honestly guys who's just believing in myself is is cliche and some people would say that's corny but it's not it's like i i believe i can do something uh, and if you don't believe that now, if you guys get through these courses or even just participate in these courses, your foundation is going to be solid to the point when you look at something and you go, yes, I 100% can do that. And if I don't know how I'm going to look it up. And I was telling my, my wife came up to me and was like, how good are you making uh, you know, woodworking? And I was like, uh, you know, I'm okay, whatever. And she's like, I need you to build this barn because we, we own alpacas now. I was like, build a bar <laughs> in my head. I was like, build a bar, you know, thinking that. And then, uh, so then I went on YouTube and I watched videos for like two to three days and exactly how to do it. And then two weeks later, I had finished a modern farmhouse barn for these alpacas roof and everything shingles, everything never done it before. Um, and that, and I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, I looked at something and I go, yes, I can do that. And, uh, if you guys ever listen to Jordan Peterson, he had a podcast and he talks about Carl Jung and I, I love a lot of his philosophy. You know, he talks about like someone having, uh, everyone has a story. You could be three years old, five years old, a hundred years old. When you pass, like I could literally write a story about your life. It's that, I mean, you really can. And he talks about two things. He says, one, are you living someone else's life? And in that case, that means, are you going to be, are you playing the role that, that you want? Because obviously, if you're living that person's life, then you're going to play whatever role they, they want you to, right? And then, and that might not be the role you want. And then you have the other one where you don't even know the story. You don't even know the book that you're writing. You're just going with it in the wind. And you could either be extremely successful or not even know at the end what it's going to be like. It could be completely detrimental and horrible for you. Um, so really, you know, you, you look at that writing your own story. I think the main thing is like, is kind of what Jocko said, and you guys have listened to him before as well, is like discipline equals freedom. And there was this thing he put on his Instagram or YouTube video, and I like to hit on this because he wrote he wrote something where it was like, hey, I woke up, I did jujitsu, and then I went surfing, and then I worked out, and then I hung out with my family. And someone had written in the comments, it was like, must be nice, you know, that kind of thing. And he felt bad. He felt bad. He felt like he was being arrogant He that because he's not that person at all. If you guys are listening, he's not that guy. And he was just like, I, I felt kind of bad. And then someone right underneath him said, remember when you said discipline equals freedom? And that kind of changed his mindset with that. Because if you look back, he when he was enlisted, he lived in a one-bedroom apartment with his wife and his kids. His mattress was in the living room while his kids slept in the room. And he struggled but he kept the discipline to get his degree to stay in and he became an officer and now he is where he is. So it's not that he has deserved this stuff. He has earned that stuff. So that freedom, it comes from his discipline. Um, so discipline guys, but also just believing that you can do something. And I mean, just hitting all the things I talked about from just keeping that system uh, in your goals and then just having the discipline and believing yourself, like all these things are a, the perfect mixture, uh, to be successful. Right. And then I think, you know, not actually letting that fear overcome. You're talking about fear being a motivator for, you know, the things that you were doing and that kind of stuff. 
And it takes that first step of like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Like we both said, said that to each other. We're like, we are going to do this and we're going to make it happen. And then, uh, you know, taking that step and it just kind of falls into place because, you know, one of the things about you that, um, really motivated me was that whenever you start doing something, you're like hundred percent into it. You know, like I say all the time on the podcast, it's just, you know, you're full in, jump in both feet, that kind of thing. You're not like, let's test out the water and dabble in it a little bit. Like, all right, I committed to it. I said, I'm going to do it hundred percent. This is what I'm going to do. And I'll put my full effort into it and make it as successful as I can. If I failed and, you know, I failed, but at least I tried because I believe in this thing that I'm doing. Um, so that's, you know, really what it takes for, uh, guys to be successful, not only in the, in selection, but also, you know, in everything else you do in life when you, if you're building a barn or whatever you're doing. So yeah, I think that's really important to do. Um, and then aside from that, you know, I know you have a bunch of other stories and a bunch of other motivation, but if you were to be able to, you know, break it down into one quote sentence, something that you tell guys that really resonates with you and that you've uh, told a lot of candidates to be successful at assessment and selection, what would you tell them? Okay. So I have two quotes, both one-liners. First quote is good luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That is so huge. Take it to heart. Good luck is when preparation meets opportunity. If you guys are prepared mentally and physically, you push yourself to the limit, know your capabilities. When you get in the selection course, you're going to be just fine. Be a good teammate and put out. You are prepared for that opportunity. The second one is this, and it kind of relates to what we've been talking about today. Smart people learn from their mistakes, but a genius learns from others. We've all been there. This is what these podcasts are about. Every single one of them. We've been there and we're telling you the mistakes that we've seen thousands of students make. Don't be that guy who's like, I want to learn the hard way because that's not what you want. I promise. <laughs> don't, you don't want that. So if I were to pick those, it, it definitely would be those two. Take it to heart. 100%. You heard it from a man himself. Um, you know. I think all those are really important things to remember. And I know you have a bunch of other quotes that we wanted to get to. So we're going to have to have you on here uh, again at a later date, because again, I, I just love, uh, you know, just back from our days and talking about the student stuff, a lot of traits and characteristics that we've seen and that you've seen. And like you said, the full spectrum of people from now um, when they're civilians coming off the street and to the instructor and to the development course. And then as the instructor supervisor, that kind of stuff, um, in many different realms and kind of see characteristics and things that motivate people. But at the end of the day, like you first started off um, saying, it comes down to that accountability. Like what are you doing with your life and where are you spending your time? And at the end of the day, what's your end state goal? Like come up with that, come up with your accountability and figure out what time you're spending and how you can spend it better. And then just taking that discipline and moving forward with it. And aside from that, I think one of the also one of the other important things that you pointed out was, you know, when times get tough, you can always use that humor to get yourself through it. And, uh, you know, whether it's crossing your eyes at the dude and as you're starting to do 10 ups and just finding that little humor, because it brings everyone out of that mindset of like, this sucks, I'm going to quit that kind of thing. And they're just like, oh, I'm just hanging out with the dudes and uh, we're having a good time. Like, you know, this is going to happen either way and time is going to pass either way. Either I end up. Uh, on the side of the pool as a quitter, or I end up on the stage as a graduate with my certificate in hand, going over to airborne or doing fun stuff, whatever. So it's up to you where you want to end up. Um, don't let that moment of weakness um, stop you from becoming and making your goals become reality. Um, and the other thing is make sure that uh, you're focusing on your teammates. And that was also really important. One of the things, you know, as an instructor and in the podcast that I've talked about over and over again is invest in your teammates because that is really what's going to make the bonds and make sure that you're able to grow together and laugh at each other when you get to the pool. If you know that dude inside out, that kind of stuff, and you know their family, that kind of really resonates when you um, – you see that person next to you, you're like, all right, this guy's got my back. He's still here. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. And it uh, helps you to watch out for each other. Um, so 
again, uh, Christopher Thomas, he's currently a recruiter. We asked a bunch of questions also about that stuff. So we try to keep it in a chunk so you guys can go in like the chapter markers and listen up on that kind of stuff. But uh, hugely motivational. I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking to us about some of the the stuff and experiences that you've had. And hopefully we get some better candidates. Like you said, this is all for you guys to um, become better than we ever were and make sure that we, uh, as a force, become better at fighting and that kind of stuff and longevity, especially. You guys hopefully can make it into your 40s, 50s, pain-free, smarter than we ever were, that kind of thing, hopefully. But uh, again, Chris, I really appreciate having you on. And uh, any final words, thoughts, Chris? No, I appreciate you guys having me. I'd love to come on again. Um, again, for all the listeners, we're here to help you guys. That's the main goal. And uh, we're willing to lose sleep over it. I mean, basically, that's exactly what's happening with these things. So I appreciate you guys uh, for even having me and just what you guys are doing. Just keep it up. Keep driving. And uh, that's about it. Thank you. All right, everybody, you heard it. So go ahead and hit up uh, Chris. Is there a email they can reach at or... Instagram, yeah, any of that can, kind of stuff. You can reach me at christopher.thomas.1 at us.af.mil. If you guys have any questions, just email me. I'll be quick to answer and reply. Other than that, that's about it. Cool. Well, again, appreciate it, you guys, for listening, subscribing, commenting, all that kind of stuff. We're here for you. So if you guys ever need anything, go ahead and shoot us an email, info at onesready.com. Check out the website. Um, and then, you know, if you ever need anything, just hit us up. All right. Out from this end. Light up. Light up. <laughs>